sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here, giving you the edge on the grid. We welcome in, of course, all of our radio affiliates as well. Thanks for waking up very early with us on the early line, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And, Kev, now that week hmm, nine, is it, is finally in the books, let's take a step back because, honestly, it's playoff picture time, right? And I do think we're far along in the season where we can start to think about who are the true contenders, who are the pretenders, and what needs to happen with these tiers. And that's kind of been our organizing framework for the AFC and the NFC, you know, since maybe the first month of the season. So as we look at the playoff picture in the AFC still right now, I you know, Kev, I I believe that Patty Mahomes and the Chiefs are the best team in football. However, they are not the best team ranking-wise in the AFC. Pittsburgh is still undefeated. Pittsburgh is still Mm -hmm. currently the one seed, right? But listen, I think these teams are flawed, right? You know I am all about Pittsburgh. You know I believe in that defense. I am concerned about, you know, Big Ben with not one but two gimpy knees. I think this is going to be something that he fights through the same way he does almost every season when he's managing it. We're not going to hear about it, but this could compromise him. I'm a little bit worried about Pittsburgh. We see KC, we see Buffalo at seven and two now with a two game lead on Miami for uh, the lead in the AFC East and then down South, as we mentioned, Tennessee and Indianapolis were very close. Tennessee edges ahead because of their win versus the Bears, whereas the Colts Mm -hmm. fell to the Ravens. But they match up in what's got to be one of the marquee games next week, a week 10, right, Colts and uh, Titans? Oh, no, that's a huge game. I want to go brick by brick here a little bit. Talk to me. Where are you? And I want to start at the very top with the Pittsburgh Steelers for a second. Yeah. Now, Briefly, okay? I'm not going to do this for every team. But just briefly, I'm just going to throw this Pittsburgh schedule at you. Not going to hold you to it, but it's important for what we're going to discuss. Give me an idea how you think this team does close things up. I'll count them. Hosting the Bengals, okay? At the Jaguars, home versus the Ravens, home versus Washington, at Buffalo, at the Bengals, home versus the Colts, at Cleveland. Five and a half to six. Okay. That's reasonable, right? So anywhere from 13 to 14 wins. That is going to be a tough mountain for the Ravens to climb. So here's yeah. going to be my point in the Baltimore Ravens as it pertains to this market. I'm interested and they in must Google. win Christmas night, right? They must because they've already lost to Pittsburgh. Thanksgiving, so like, but yes. So, oh, excuse me, Thanksgiving, right. Maybe they did they oh, play good. on Christmas night last year. But in any event, Thanksgiving, Possibly. right? Because if they... Don't split that, right? Then they even lose. It's like another half game that they're back. That's all I'm saying. Exactly, right? It's kind of like why the Bucks feel like they're completely dead in the water right, right, in right. the South, the same, right? Same kind of thing. Yep. So here's the point I'm going to make on Baltimore. They're 480 to win the AFC. They are sat there right now at 270 to win the North. I think you are much better off betting them to win the North. 270 is still a nice plus number. And if they don't win the North... Might that 480 go down? I'd be surprised. Again, we're looking at a road game to start the year. Then they're going to be traveling with a win to quite possibly a Pittsburgh, a Kansas City. I think the Ravens' value in the futures market, Dane, would be for them to win the North 
not to win the AFC as things currently sit. Okay, that makes sense to me. Um, for me, though, like, and you're going through the division, right? Obviously, I think we all feel comfortable. Oh, maybe not, but, I, you know, Kansas City has a multiple-game lead. Buffalo has a multiple-game lead. We talk about the Steelers at 8-0. Talk to me, though, and I know you go ahead of the schedule a lot of times. Talk to me about mm-hmm. this AFC South, Tennessee and Indianapolis, yeah. because not only this week, I believe they play each other two of the next three yes. weeks, right that's a little Mm -hmm. quirk in the schedule and one of them has like green bay in between so this is like you know this is plant the flag time in november down south in the afc correct well it's actually awesome um they both have incredibly difficult middle games uh the titans Mm -hmm. are going to be playing the ravens and the Colts will be playing green bay um here's the thing with the Colts. okay i think the Colts have a very very difficult schedule for the rest of their games it's at the titans it's home versus Green Bay. It's home versus yeah. the Titans. couple of Houston games at Vegas, at Pittsburgh. A lot of road games here. And then they're going to finish with the Jaguars. Okay? And I think reasonably, if you say they split the Titans game, but you say they split the Texans game, right? That's a couple of more losses. You like them right. against the Jaguars. They would be swept by the Jags. That would be very surprising. But it leaves you a home versus Green Bay, and at Raiders, Raiders game sounds interesting. and right. an at Steelers. As your other three games, this team only winning eight football games is very live, okay? And at eight and eight, I think it would be really, really difficult for them to get there. I don't love the Colts, and I think, too, Dane, the gap that sits there between them and the Titans, I prefer the Titans as AFC title contenders. I mean, listen, this team got to the conference championship last year. Sure. This team... We believe wins the division. At least I believe wins the division. So that's going to be a home playoff game. At 12 to 1, I'm significantly more interested in the Titans. What's interesting to me is them being at that minus 190 number. What do we think that number becomes if the Titans protect home field on Thursday night? I think it does go down, right? But it's almost like cause for pause, you know, because don't forget, they got another one right back, right? And then if Indy wins that other one, it kind of normalizes itself out. Unfortunately, it sounds a little bit like Notre Dame and Clemson. But can we put up the AFC uh, again, that playoff picture? Because I want to ask you about these other teams, you know, these five and three teams, Kev, Vegas, the Dolphins, the Browns, the Colts, right? They are all teams that have shown legitimate flashes to me, okay? There are reasons Mm. to be encouraged if you're a fan of any of these four teams. And I'm talking about the five win teams, right? But, you know, only two of them are going to get in at max, okay? Because I think these first five are are, are pretty much confirmed. I believe the four division leaders and the Baltimore Ravens will get in, right? So can you... You know, how do you see these four teams? You know, Vegas, I've told you, I don't know if I believe in, but they have quality wins. Miami with their defense and now under Tua. You know, we believe Baltimore, uh, excuse me, Cleveland is getting Nick Chubb back for goodness sakes, right? And we believe that Indy is built well from the inside out. Like, this is the tier that I think we're going to have to pay attention from. Do you like Mm -hmm. any one of these guys more than the other? So, I would not be doing my job if I didn't make the point of look at the Patriots relative to all of these five and three teams and then all of the other teams, and you will see why I made the argument that I have made to you nonstop. 
That's my entire take on that. As it goes to okay. these five and three teams, though, right? I think Miami is like them winning games where they're easily played on the outplayed on the offensive side of the ball is not really a sustainable way to live. Now, maybe things can normalize and they'll play a little bit better offense. I don't know. But I don't really believe in Miami. Uh, and again, I just said I'm kind of less bullish on the Colts. Okay. It leaves us the Raiders then and the Browns. I like the Vegas schedule. We've gone over that a lot. Dane, what are we doing with the Cleveland Browns? Is is there a 5-3 and three team you feel like you know less about than the Cleveland Browns? Baker has COVID right now. Uh, they're right. coming off of their bye. Like, you look at this team, right? They lost at home to Vegas, at Pitt, and at Baltimore. The difference, again, from this team being the Bears, right, and being the Browns, is beating Indianapolis at home. Because the other wins are a couple of Bengals wins, Dallas and Washington. Like, yeah. realistically, the difference in this team being completely fugazi is that Colts game. Fair enough. I will. I, I push back on that though, because the Browns are one of the teams. If we have these four or five win teams for two spots, one of them for me yeah. is the Cleveland Browns, and the reason is two words: Nick Chubb. I believe that the return of Nick Chubb is big for this team. Okay. About a month ago, Kev, we were talking about the Browns scoring 30 points a game, right? And they were also doing yeah. that because their run game was so big, okay? It was their run game. And I believe yeah, you get Nick Chubb back, and that is an ingredient that, for me, is a real distinguishing factor more than anything I can see on the Colts horizon to change the way they're playing or anything on these or Vegas or even Miami. I believe the re-addition of Nick Chubb for what the Browns want to do. They were one of the best running teams in the league. I think that helps them, and I think that gives the Browns a slight leg up against these other teams that they're on even footing with. Nick Chubb is a decisive factor for me, especially obviously, though, under the case where Baker Mayfield is cleared and able to go. They go to a backup yeah. quarterback. All bets are off. But a returning Nick Chubb matters big time for me. Yeah, I mean, he, he left early in the Dallas game. They scored 49. He didn't play against the Colts. They scored 32. They hung 37 on the Bengals without him. At Pittsburgh, is that game different if Chubb's there? I don't know. Baker came out and threw a pick six to start the game. The Hard Raiders in the wind might be. But the thing is, we all think Kareem Hunt's like a top like ten back. Just right, period. but it wasn't so, only that. It was the one-two punch. You know, they they were. It was a run game, and I, I really believe they will look different with Chuck. I think really for me, what's interesting is this Brown schedule because I can't make heads okay. or tails of it. Like, they host Houston this week. It's only a three-point mm -hmm. spread. I don't know if that's a spread that factors Baker missing or not. They host the Eagles. I don't know what people are going to think about the Eagles going into that game. We'll see if they get healthier. They have a chance to be rolling in on with three consecutive wins. They travel to Jacksonville. A lot of people that are probably going to tell you the Browns will come out of the bye winning three consecutive. They go at Tennessee, home versus Baltimore, at the Giants, at the Jets, home versus Pittsburgh. This could be a very favorable schedule. Or they could browns this whole thing up, somehow be one and two in their first three back, yeah. and we're all scratching our heads as to how this team has fumbled the bag. Yeah, it's tough, you know, when you just run through the schedule. I kind of try to think about how they could do. I can see four wins left in there for the Browns easily, and I do believe nine and seven could get you there. We look at the NFC when we come back where, you know, at least in the AFC, we know who the, the, the big dogs are. 
I can't make sense. That's even at the top of tennis. From the City of Angels to the Big Apple, shake it up with Pharrell Coast to Coast. Shake it up, so do that. All my friends then come around, fly the fly the With your up. host, the one and only Scott Pharrell. Coast to coast in the biggest way possible. Hang it Covering up. every sport, every league, every single weekday. And Scott's got an opinion on Get all Get that of guy them. a cold beer. I mean, that he's telling it exactly like it is. Jump on the Coast to Coast bandwagon with America's most engaging sports personality. Because we all love to bet on everything. Regular contributors including NFL insider Adam Kaplan, the pro football doc Dr. David Chow, NBA Radio's Rick Kamla, Bleacher Report MLB insider Scott Miller, the sports professor Rick Harrow, USA Today's Bob Nightingale. Every game, every story, every injury, everything you need to know. Join the Pharrell Coast to Coast party every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern, 1 to 3 Pacific, only on Sports Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. Right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and the candle burner, Kevin Walsh. And now, Kev, let's turn our attention to the NFC, because at least in the AFC, right, um, there's some big dogs, right? We ultimately believe, you know, Kansas City will be there. Um, a lot of people believe Pittsburgh will be there. Call it Baltimore, Tennessee, what have you. In the NFC, though, honestly, Kev, there are no teams with more than six wins. And then, Kev, there are seven teams with five or six wins. The Saints, Seahawks, Packers, yeah. and Bucks with six wins. Okay, and then the Cardinals, Rams, and Bears with five wins. That's, those are seven teams right there. And then there is also an NFC East, you know, leader, champion, what have you. But that seems like a very flat top of the conference. I will ask you to start at this point in time, right? Yeah. Pick me a horse you like that has five or six wins in the NFC. I don't want to not um, answer your question, but I can't help it. Um, Are you going to talk Eagles? We entered. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. But we (laughs) entered this conversation, right, where you were like, I don't know who's who in the NFC. Couldn't agree more. But I now, I almost have chills. Oh, I'm such a loser. But I can't help it. This is exciting to me. FanDuel has told you who's making the playoffs. And I didn't realize this until I just started to stare at it a little bit more. Mm, we both agreed last, uh, last Thursday the Niners were done. They're priced sure. 31 to 1. Right? Anybody, yeah. even I, would tell you that the NFC East winner would be the lowest team on the board. The Eagles are 17 okay. to 1. Okay. The Bears are priced at 13 to 1. Significantly okay. more than the, the Eagles. They're shorter Because than they don't Eagles, think yep. they're going to be getting in. They believe that they have figured out the playoff teams. They don't know who's who. But I actually think this is because trying to parse through the who is who is important, Dane. But the conversation does change if the book is correct that we do have our seven playoff teams. Like we just try to figure out what the heck's going on in the AFC because we think there's anywhere from, you know, 
eight to 11-ish teams, give or take, right, that could all be in this mix. The FanDuel Sportsbook believes we have our seven teams. We just have to figure out who finishes where. Where's the gap? Where's the gap in price then where you see the fall off after seven? Where is it? Who's seven and eight then where there's the dramatic drop yeah. in the in the in the value of the number? Go ahead, Kev, tell me. Yeah, you see it. the Cardinals right there are fifteen to one. They're you know, likely a wild card team. The Bears come down thirteen to Which one. one the division? To, no. What this market is, are you talking this is about? To win the, the conference. We're talking about to win, win the, the conference. conference. To okay. win the conference. But you can so see it in Cardinals the Cardinals are seventh? Is that what you're saying? The, Car- the Cardinals, well, the Cardinals are, are sixth, but the team in between them is Philly, and we all know that right. they think nothing of the NFC the East, which I is totally that. fine. So that's the that's the spot. They believe that the Bears are out. In the same way that you and I said the Niners were done, they believe the Bears are done. If you at home disagree, they are the value in this market. They are the value at 31-1. to so just yeah, to recap, they think I the seven sure teams I are decided. It, I want to make sure I have it correct in the way you're describing it, right? In the NFC conference market, and to mm-hmm. some extent, we have to throw away Philly, right? Because it's a different context. Yeah. And if you believe that outside of the NFC East, boom, right? There are six playoff spots up for grabs okay let's just mm-hmm. call it what it is right the nfc east is getting one team and one team only then there are six spots left in the nfc playoffs and what you're saying correct me if i'm wrong is that there are six teams in the nfc market and i'm guessing mm-hmm. those teams are the saints the seahawks the packers the bucks the rams and the cardinals that mm-hmm. those six have uh, numbers to win the NFC that would suggest that they'll at least be in the dance and in the tournament. Then a gap to teams like um, call it the Chicago Bears, call it the Detroit Lions, call it the Minnesota yeah. Vikings, and these other teams that are on the outside looking in. So the book thinks that despite their five and three record, the Bears are fugazi. And when it comes to the winning the NFC, you can forget about them. Am I correct? That's one hundred percent what they believe. And we saw agree? this obvious. No, I don't. I don't think this is the. I don't think the Bears are 100% done. I'm also the person who thinks they win next Monday. Now, the book tells you they're not going to win. Uh, I'm going to speak to as many people as possible. Everyone's going to tell me they like the Vikings. It's Kirk Cousins. It's his 10th Monday night game. Does he go to 1 and 9 or does he go to 0 and 10? I just think it's very jarring. That this team losing to the Titans was the final nail in the coffin. A three-game run of Monday night football in L.A., short week host the Saints, and then off of an overtime game go to Tennessee, get none of those results, that was the end of the Bears. Had the Bears, Dane, grabbed one of those results, right, they would have as many wins as their division leader. I just... I think that is such a fine line to go from live in the North to dead in the NFC that I can't personally agree with it, but we are, I am, you know, forcing us to spend maybe more time on the bears than necessary. I just think that that is interesting to see FanDuel draw a line in the sand in what to me has been for the past three weeks, something you and I have talked about a lot as to who will make up the NFC. 
No, I hear you. You know my position on the Bears. You know I think they're fugazi. You know I don't think they have many more wins out there. And as we transition, Kev, you know what will be interesting? You're talking a lot about that Bears-Vikings game. The line that came out, the opening line for this week was somewhat surprising to you. We'll talk about that more. But as we transition to injuries, I can give you maybe a reason for that. Bears running back David Montgomery is in the concussion protocol. Right. And so, listen, I never thought that he was a huge dynamic back anyway. Right. I was making the jokes about Cordero Patterson and Barkevius Mingo leading that team in rushing. But if they don't have uh, Montgomery, that even, you know, no Tariq Cohen there, that even further downgrades potentially their run game. And if we can bring up the rest of the injuries now after, you know, week nine, now finally in the books, David Montgomery is one of them. We saw Kyle Allen have that, you know, kind of gruesome injury, but he's not necessarily a contender. We have Preston Williams with a foot injury, and he seemed to be Tua's prize target early on. So Miami being a playoff team, that's the kind of big one here in a playoff team. And then I would note Montgomery as well with the concussion. When you look at this list, right, what's the injury that uh, you will keep your eye on for the rest of the week? Because based on the way we're talking about the Bears – I know he's not dynamic, but David Montgomery, who's not really on that list, that's one to watch for me to see if he clears uh, before the game against Minnesota. So it, it definitely is because at the end of the day, for him to be as bad as we all think, he is the running back on the team. He's for the starting reason. running back, yeah. <laughs> There's no running backs on that team. So I think it definitely does matter. Stafford stands out to me. Sure. But the Lions are not live. This, is, but he's a quarterback. Last year, Dana, I don't know if you'll be able to still remember this off the top of your head here, but how many teams had to start different quarterbacks last year? Ah, I do remember because I had a long-standing bet with somebody, and I said it would be greater than fifty percent of the teams in the league, and it turned out mm-hmm. to be. It was eighteen of the thirty-two teams had to go to mm-hmm. at least QB two. Kev, there was something like four yeah. teams that had to go to QB three. For goodness sakes, right? Uh, so yes, over. 50%. So because if I look at the NFC right now, uh, the Bears went to a different quarterback, but that was kind of a benching. I don't know how that qualifies. The Niners have had a quarterback injury. Washington yep. and Dallas have had quarterback injuries. In yeah. the AFC, the Jags just had quarterback injury. We know the Chargers had, I mean, what a mess that all the was. Jets have... the, Broncos, the Broncos have missed some time. The Pats have missed some time yep. uh, at quarterback. You mentioned the yep. Jets, absolutely. Jets. Miami made a quarterback change. Um, those that's obviously still really some different, live, right? There's still some live in Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Um, there could be others on the horizon. Yeah. So it was just seeing that name. It made me yeah. think about how you talked about teams having to start other guys. And as we sit here and we look through these futures markets and we think, okay, this is a win. This is a loss. Right. Yeah. I wonder, and I hope not you guys, I know, no one ever roots for injuries. I wonder if they're ultimately, you know, three weeks from now, four weeks from now, there's an injury that completely shifts this season on its head. I hope not, but we know that in football, injuries are a bit inevitable. Yeah, and to be quite honest, Kevin, that's why I have a little bit higher level of alarm than most people out there as it relates to Big Ben. 
Um, mm. I know Big Ben is a gamer. I know Big Ben is going to fight through it, right? This is the undefeated team, the proverbial one seed right now, at least, in the AFC. And to your point about, like, hey, the season is long and it's still a violent game, you know, the fact that he's already at least banged up, right, at least going to be getting right. shots and missing practice reps, you know, that sort of stuff already, with a half a season left to go, that gives me a little bit of cause for pause. I was telling people, though, Kev, as we turn our attention real quick to the waiver wire, um, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of quarterbacks. You mentioned Stafford, Big Ben, obviously Kyle Allen. We've got quarterbacks on by. Baker now on the COVID list, right? I keep on telling people, Teddy Bridgewater, Kev, Teddy Bridgewater is on rosters. In 41% of leagues, Kev, less than half of leagues. You know, right now, Teddy Bridgewater is performing in fantasy as QB 11. That means in a one quarterback league, Teddy Bridgewater is a valid week to week starting. He just got Christian McCaffrey, although he's not going to be really there for that long. Um, but I don't understand why people don't go to Teddy Bridgewater when they need it. We talk about, you know, uh, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, the weapons of Curtis Samuel, what Mike Davis has done. But I digress. That's at the quarterback position. For the rest of the Diamonds, I want to give make a point here. There weren't a ton of huge injuries this week to huge marquee fantasy guys. But as you look... Kev, at the guys that I have as the diamonds in the rough, there is a consistent mm -hmm. theme, and these are the teams coming off of bye. I want to remind you, in Cincinnati, Giovanni Bernard is not on rosters in half of leagues. I know Joe Mixon <coughs> is likely to come back, but there is work in the receiving game still for Giovanni Bernard. He is a piece of this. In Cleveland, Austin Hooper is is owned in less than half of leagues, okay? We saw what Harrison Bryant did in his stead, and without Odell Beckham, there could be some more opportunity there for Austin Hooper. In Philly, Kev, you know, I believe these are going to be the top two pass catchers, potentially, moving forward for the Philadelphia Eagles, and you can still get both Jalen Rieger and Dallas Goddard out there um, available in a lot of leagues. And then I make the point on these Los Angeles Rams, you know, Henderson is a little banged up. We do expect him back but we saw the return of cam Akers, um and that's the guy you originally kev thought might have been the lead dog there he's owned in less than a third of leagues and josh reynolds in that wide receiver room has been getting like 10 targets a game recently i know he's the third guy in the pecking order but you could do a lot worse let's say if you lost kenny galladay or ty hilton or someone else from last week kev any of those guys you like well reynolds stands out because his first matchup okay. for you is going to be against seattle and um, I mean, gosh, like, when are they going to play a good game on the defensive side of the ball? Like, will it happen? I, I, I mean, so bad. It's so, so yeah. bad. Um, I, but I'm excited for that game. Like, does Goff let it rip? That'll be really, really interesting to follow. Uh, and I'll just also say Austin Hooper might lead that team in targets from now until season's end. You're With the yeah. way the tight end position is, unless you have, like, Kelsey, you should be looking at Hooper. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. Goddard is out there as well. I know you think he'll get his opportunity for sure. I got a couple of Fugazis I'll tell you about. When we turn our attention, though, to baseball and basketball, we'll do that when we come back right here on The Only Line. Sports Grid.
GetGreatFromTheGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane and Kev giving you the edge, as always, on SportsGrid. And, and by the way, Kev, uh, you know, the World Series took place. The Dodgers are crowned. No punishment for Justin Turner. The Dodgers have like six or seven other cases of COVID. My, how we've forgotten to talk about that, but I digress. It's award season in Major League Baseball. So first, we want to give a big shout out to Mariners stud Kyle Lewis for winning the AL Rookie of the Year Brewers relief pitcher Devin Williams taking home the National League Rookie of the Year. But the big boys are on deck, Kev. The Cy Young is going to be announced this week and I think you know in the AL this is Shane Bieber's award a question is whether he's going to be unanimous I would think but in the NL it's interesting we got Trevor Bauer of the Reds who remember is a free agent having that award entering free agency would be interesting and then you Darvish of the Cubs and Jacob deGrom you got to throw him in for a bid to win three in a row I personally don't think it's going to happen where do you see the Cy Young awards going yeah, Bieber might end up being like unanimous, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he was incredible. Absolutely. Remember when the Yankees tanked him? That was sweet. I thought they yeah, were going to win the World baby. Series. Um, and as far as the NL goes, uh, you know, it seems like it's Trevor Bauer's award. I think what's significantly more interesting, though, is what you mentioned. When was the last time a Cy Young, like the reigning Cy Young, hit the market? Yeah. Um, that would be really interesting to see because – That should bump the value up. You would think so, right? And there will be kind of a bidding war there, you would think, in the offseason. We'll we'll check out on that. You know, R.A. Dickey won the Cy Young and then got traded, I believe, the following year when the Mets got Darno and Syndergaard back. Mike Hampton, I think, may have signed with the Colorado Rockies, potentially off a Cy Young, but that is back in the day. As we look at the MVP finalist as well, Kev, in the American League, we got DJ LeMahieu, uh, Jose Abreu, and uh, Jose Ramirez in the National League. The Padre in question is Manny Machado, Mookie Betts, your boy, and then Freddie Freeman for the Atlanta Braves. How do you see these breaking out? I just think it's hilarious that Tatis ended up not even making the final three. Um, But, look, I've been consistent on this all year. I care about war. People don't like it. Too bad. Mookie, LeMayu, those are my guys. Fair enough. I'll give you my thoughts. And then we got a couple of other notes in the world of baseball that will bounce off of everybody when we come back to start our number two of the early line where we put the fun and functional sports content. Come on right back after this. Fantasy Sports. The early line. But when you don't have your actual running back or your backup running back, you know, you said about Tampa, they ran like five times in the game, right? Is this now just so imbalanced that they don't have that option, maybe forcing Russ to even have to do more than what we were talking about in the first month of the season? The option is there. This is the NFL. We've all come to terms with it. The running backs don't. DJ Dallas scored. He's played two games. He's got two rushing touchdowns, Dane. They're fine. The problem right now are these turnovers. And if he turns the football over, they're dead. The reality is, when it comes to this team, and why I 
I know I won't be able to pick them to win the Super Bowl is I'm going to need Russ to be perfect unless they get the bye for four games. And then if they get the bye three games in order for this team to win a Super Bowl, that's an unreasonable ask. Certainly for a guy right now that has an interception problem. The Sports Grid Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Russell Wilson's stats look pretty good. 390 passing yards, three touchdowns, but he threw two bad picks. Also rushed for a touchdown. He ended up getting 25 fantasy points. DJ Dallas got off to a good start, but then the game basically got out of hand, and then Travis Homer came in, started catching balls out of the backfield. But uh, Metcalf, another another big day, 7 for 108 in a touchdown. David Moore had a score as well on a long touchdown bounce. The Sports Grid Network. Game time decisions. I said this last night and I maintained this. Josh Allen is the best quarterback in that class. If, if straight up right now, if, oh, okay. and I'm a Bills fan, if they said we'll trade you Lamar Jackson for Josh Allen, I'd say as if. As if. Josh Allen keeps getting better. Lamar Jackson's already peaked. Josh Allen wins. He's the best quarterback in this class, and he will prove it over the next couple of years. The Sports Grid Network. fans it is another beautiful day in the neighborhood tuesday november 10th let's cock a doodle do it this is the early line right here giving you the edge on sports grid i'm dane martinez and as always i got my main man kevin walsh burning the candle at both ends trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day and we'll try to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time and kev we had a game on monday night football that maybe was a better quality game than most people anticipated you know everybody thought the patriots were going to run away and hide they were big time road favorites by nine and a half points that did not happen the jets had a lead in this one but then in true jets fashion in a number of ways uh you know they defecate the mattress cam newton runs for two touchdowns cam newton and the patriots get multiple scores in the fourth quarter they come all the way back they get the w 30 to 27 after a nikki folk field goal as time expires sends the jets to zero and nine what was your biggest takeaway in this one cam certainly running cam um accurate in this one i don't think he had an incompletion until somewhere in the third quarter but also kev i gotta tell you something i mean you talk about this with the philadelphia eagles we talk about this with other teams all of a sudden though the jets had brashard perryman Denzel Mims and Jamison Crowder all healthy at wideout. And, you know, they looked more like a NFL offense. Yeah, listen, uh, this is a game that ultimately I ended up getting wrong. The props, I played two props. It was Cam to score once and it was Cam to score twice. Um, So that worked out just fine. Um, But I had the Pats, I laid the points, and then I had a Pats under teaser. Mm. I think it's the first time I've ever teased to the under. Shouldn't have teased to the under. You should never tease to the under. But you know what? I did not see the Jets scoring 27 points as a possible outcome. I really did not. And could I sit here and tell you that, you know, J.C. Jackson falling down to let Sean Perryman stand by himself there is something that usually wouldn't happen? Sure. Them stealing a touchdown right before the end of the half? 
okay, 50-yard pop plays to Perriman. Here's the reality. This was not the Jets that we have seen all year long. And I don't just mean that from an output standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. What you like to say. The input was far different. They were aggressive. It was like someone was tweeting out, let Flacco cook. I mean, goodness me, throwing on first down, throwing on second down. This team, like Jared and I were on the in-game live, and we were joking. I'm like, minus 300, first play run. He goes, I hope it's play action. It was play action. Flacco threw a pick, but they were so aggressive in this football game. It was a completely different tone shift from the Jets that we've seen. And that's what threw this game into a loop for me, right? I mean, we're going to break this down from both sides of the ball here. The Patriots offensively were fantastic. Not like good, like they were fantastic. They punted once. They punted once. They scored on on almost all of their drives. Every drive in the second half, the Pats scored. They put up 30. As you mentioned, Cam Newton had hardly any incompletions. Second most passing yards he's thrown all season. Joe Flacco throws three touchdowns, had nearly 200 passing yards at the half, and this team was aggressive through the air. I I don't know if this will be here to stay, but it was a huge shift for the New York Jets offense. Yeah, as we welcome in our radio audience, big shout out to all the affiliates around the country, around the globe. Thanks for getting on the grid early with us, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. You know, Kevin, going into this, you know, I we know the, the narrative around the Jets. We know our competing narratives around the Patriots. I was going to ask you, and you've already answered it, to be quite honest, right? Because hmm. this game was tight. Right. This game was not the uh, the boat race that a lot of people thought. So I was going to ask you, which way was it? Right. Like, was it the Jets playing better? Right. Up to Mm -hmm. the perception or the Patriots, you know, uh, you know, needing to get by by the skin of their teeth against this crappy winless team. You know, and it sounds like you believe and I agree with you that it was an improvement in what we saw with the Jets. You know, I keep on mentioning this. This was the first week of the season that all three of those wide receivers were healthy. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I'm not trying to say that this is the greatest show on turf, but those are three legitimate NFL caliber wide receivers versus what we were seeing. The kid, LaMichael Pirine, looked interesting frank gore and this under joe flacco so i gotta ask you you know this team that we saw last night i don't think they lose every game left on the season kev do you there's a couple of spots that i do like the jets their next three games they hit the bye they go to the chargers i prefer the chargers in the game they host miami they host vegas yeah it's hosting miami and hosting vegas i expect them to get one of those football games as long as they do this Just throw the ball. There's no reason not to. And and again, like I said, we're going to have to break down the Patriots side of this thing here because, again, I think this was a really, really interesting game from them. But this was not – like, as I look back on this, we always talk about this. You kind of recap your process. I don't actually feel really foolish for my Patriots bets, right? Because even – so you and I had disagreed on this game, right? But if I'm not mistaken, I think you were leaning towards the under. I think the world was leaning – Towards the under. Oh, I the said Jets. I the Jets and the points. That's what was my my play. No, no, I know that. But I'm talking about from the total goal. perspective. But I'm talking about from the total perspective, right? There was a lean towards the under there for 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 almost across the board, though, right? Anybody you talk to, just scored 27 points. Their team total was 16 on right. Vandal. That was right. not supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. If this team stays aggressive through the air, they should find a win, if not two.
Yeah, I mean, I think the personnel is a huge difference. Oh. And if we give that stuff to other teams, I oh. mentioned your Eagles, the Niners, if that's a built-in rationale, then maybe it was for the first few games for the Jets as well. We'll talk about this more on the other side of the break. We're off and running on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane and Kevin breaking down what we saw last night on Monday Night Football, where the Patriots win, but the Jets cover as a home dog, keeping that trend alive. That is now going 59% on the season so far, Kev, including 4-1 and one in this week. All right, a lot of those home dogs actually coming in. Buffalo winning outright, as a matter of fact, in that one. Buffalo gets the job done as a home dog. Dallas gets the job done as a home dog Jacksonville gets the job done as a home dog and even the New York Jets get the job done as a home dog and by getting the job done I mean covering not necessarily winning and Kev here's where you know you're talking about them being more aggressive right and and going downfield and being able to do that yes that is important and hopefully that will lead to games where they don't have four yards in the second Mm -hmm. half like you were saying but Kev there's also a time and place for everything because at some point you do have to change and I draw your attention to like the end of the third quarter when the Jets are up 27-17 okay and Kev from then on the Jets ran four plays okay one they're up 27-20 and the first play they go play action shot and Joe Flacco throws an interception then, mm. when it's tight in the game, right, the, the Patriots come on back, it's tied. The Jets, with a chance to try to move the ball, somehow go three and out, leaving time on the clock for the Patriots to come on back and kick that game winner, not in overtime, which is what I originally thought was going to happen, but in regulation. Kev, they were, mm-hmm. because of the way they played, they were in a position where they were able to, like, Milk the clock if they wanted to. I'm reminded of the water boy where, like, the guys start kneeling on the ball in the third quarter because they're afraid of Bobby Boucher. The Jets didn't have to do that. But throwing a 50-yard play-action shot that gets picked off on your first play of the drive and then going three and out when literally burning, like, you know, half a minute would be good enough to at least send this game into overtime. I found that to be a critical clock management coaching approach mistake i like the fact that they were more aggressive early in the game but at some point kev if you enter the fourth quarter you know up by 10 i don't think you're throwing 50 yard shots anymore you got to start having a clock move though right i disagree i think this team is trying to win a football game the way that they needed to win that game was through the air the play he threw a pick he threw it to the one person that was covered it was a flack of mistake, not a gay There's a guy in the tight end that he was threw really, to, but it's still not the right play, though, Kev. In that I, game, I disagree. I disagree. We just up take Frank 10? Gore and run it into the. But first of all, they they weren't up by ten at that point. They were only up by seven. I'm so when it was twenty-seven seventeen, they scored a touchdown on that drive. Yeah, before that, it's twenty-seven yeah. seventeen going into the fourth, Kev. He he threw a pick. The score was 27-20. When he threw that pick, 
It was not a 10 point why, game. Why, in that situation, Kev, why are you throwing the ball 50 yards downfield? Because when, that's what has worked. But that's Flacco. That's Flacco. That's not Gase. He, he threw the ball. There were four guys running routes. Three of them were open. Flacco threw it to the guy that was covered. He you didn't know I've been screaming at Gase all season. There was two, there was two yeah. safeties there. There was a tight end on the left flat. Uh, two other, one other guy was covered. They showed the replay. Barrios I mean, was you, wide open. There's definitely know, like, Ryan Griffin on the fat if he can go. But still, yes. why do this in the first place? And then when because you have 27-27, why are you doing this again? Doing what? At the end of the Run day, the, the first two plays, but the first two plays chewed clock. On the first play, it was a pass, completed. The second play, he was sacked. And then it was third and seven. Did you want him to just take a knee? I mean, no. What, what were, I, this, I, want them, I want them to realize time score and clock situations. And when you are finally up in that, in that spot, I don't think, you know, if they literally just went three and out on that first one, they'd pay, the Pats have no time. I think that was poor clock management. You think they're going for it, and that's a different way. Fine. Ultimately, they're 0-9, so we could, you know, figure out how they did it, if it was worth it. I do believe that when you are finally there, at some point, you do have to change and think about how you can actually get home into the clubhouse with a win. But I digress. Let's talk about these New England Patriots. Has he he found someone in Jacoby Myers, Kev. 12 catches, 169 yards. We've been talking about the different pieces of the puzzle, right? Do they have weapons? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Damian Harris, unfortunately, it looks like got banged out towards the end of this game. They do expect Sony Michelle back off IR. Julian Edelman mm-hmm. is still out, but we're talking about Demir Bird and, uh, you know, Jacoby Myers. Do you think he's building in trust with those guys? Yeah, I think for sure. Again, this was Cam's second-best passing game uh, of the season. No two ways about it. Uh, Meyer stepping up, 12-169, 14 targets. This is a consecutive games where he's looked like the top dog here. Uh, mind you, Julian Edelman is just not playing, and you know mm-hmm. we've kind of just had to come to terms with that. Even Bird did have a nice game as well, 5 for 65. Um, Cam has only thrown two touchdown passes on the year. Just from a fantasy perspective, from your prop playing perspective, do keep that in mind. Uh, this is a team that scores their touchdowns on the ground, uh, right. not through the air typically. But it does seem like they've found something in Jacoby Myers because it's consecutive really, really strong performances. And again, the passing attack as a whole, everybody knows that I've got the season-long Cam Newton passing total over. Need him to throw for 2,500 yards. Uh, this has been a bet that you know he has thrown for... Now, the second time, 200-plus yards, he's missed a game. We are well on pace for what we are, for where we need to be. We need him to throw for 135.4 yards per game in his remaining eight games in order to get over that number. So I ultimately think that Cam will be able to get there. I'm curious how you, know, you view this Patriots team coming out of the game because, to me, I don't know whether to make heads or tails over the defensive performance. This is the same defense that went to Buffalo last week, held them to 24, right. as Buffalo then just put 44 up on Seattle. I don't know if this if they were caught off guard by the Jets. I think that's reasonable. I think the world was caught off guard by the Jets here. Lamar Jackson is waiting for them. Good luck figuring that out. But the Pats offense, I think, was the you know one of the bigger question marks. Looked fantastic. I thought they looked great. I thought it was a super encouraging sign for them. 
Yeah, Cam played well. I um, I think the accuracy is important. Um, I still would like to see uh, accuracy downfield, right? It doesn't. Um, I don't know that he's doing that. There was one throw, uh, Jacoby Myers, I believe, on the seam in towards late game that he he overshot mm-hmm. him. I think Marcus May kind of like fell down on that one. Clearly, when Cam makes the throw, he's got to angle it up the middle because he thinks May is there, but he missed on that shot. There were a couple of others, but if they're gonna be more, you know, ten uh, yard curl routes and Burkhead out of the backfield, then yes, that can move, right? I do think though that. This does not change what I believe on the New England Patriots, though. The offense looked fine. I still don't think the Patriots are necessarily going anywhere this season. You talk about the games they still have on the horizon. And as we turn to the AFC playoff picture right now, the Patriots are still not on that graphic. And even though they move to three and five on the season, they're a full two games back on these other teams that are on the outside looking in Mm -hmm. at five and three, like Cleveland and Indianapolis. So we shall see see the Patriots do get a win they get a win that they needed to get because obviously the narrative and the jokes if they were the team that loses and gives the Jets their first win of the season so they kind of got out of dodge and did what they needed to do I don't know if it gives me more confidence per se with them moving forward because while these Jets were a better version than many people were expecting or a better version than what we have seen for the majority of the year I still don't think it was like a a statement win or something that should make the Patriots necessarily feel proud. But let's look at this AFC uh, playoff picture here, Kev, as we have it. You know, I think, listen, the Tennessee Titans win a game. The Indianapolis Colts lose a game. So they right there, the Titans are the four seed right now as the uh, leaders in the AFC South. You know, Baltimore right there on Pittsburgh's heels, the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Browns and the Colts still there. What are kind of the biggest takeaways in this AFC playoff picture for you as we, you know, have the nominal halfway point of the season. So uh, I think right now, and obviously we'll expand about uh, a little bit on the other side, but everything is real sectioned off. There's Mm going to be three teams competing for that top spot. There are two teams competing for three, four, in my opinion. And then there's this wild card group. I think it's going to be really interesting to see who we think can emerge out of those uh, spots. All right, fair enough. On the other side of the break and after the news update, that's what we'll do. We'll talk about tiers in the AFC and in the NFC and what huge games are on the horizon to help make the picture come a little bit more into focus. All that right after the sports grid news update. 